1: You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered.
0: B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!
1: This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts. e even... First down and a touchdown.
0: Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles.
1: Okay, welcome to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. I am your co-host, Connor Miles. With me as always, is my co-host Ed Krasp. Ed, what a great way to start off the Nick Sirianni era. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking at this game and the 32 to 6 victory by the Philadelphia Eagles of the Atlanta Falcons and saying, you know, the Falcons aren't that great of a team. Uh, there's all this talk that uh, you know, the Falcons are bad, the Eagles did what they were supposed to do. I, 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 I. That's not true. I just want to start off the show saying that is absolutely not true. Uh, I think I, I'm not saying the Falcons aren't are going to be a good team. They may be a bad team this year. The way they looked, they looked like they're going to be a bad team this year. But they usually start off week one pretty slow. That notoriously that franchise has. Uh, what Ed, do you remember? Anybody picking the Eagles to win this game? Well, well no. I
0: did. I, I did. I know
1: you did. Yeah.
0: But, I mean that
1: for the national media, like the NFL Network, the ESPNs of the world.
0: Um. Um, yeah. No, no, they did.
1: They they picked the Falcons.
0: So, yeah. how
1: can you quickly turn the the Eagles beat the Falcons? They're not that that big of a deal. Too the Eagles aren't going to win that game. I, I I don't get it, man. I this is what the Philadelphia Eagles did this past Sunday. They came out and they beat the brakes off of a team that they should beat. Good teams beat up on bad teams, and that's what the Philadelphia Eagles did. So that's what was exciting about me and the Nick Sirianni era to start it off that way because it wasn't a marginal victory. It wasn't they won by a field goal. It wasn't they won by one point. It is that they they pounded on the land Falcons, and that's what you want to see. Good teams beat up on bad teams, and that's what's impressed me the most about the Philadelphia Eagles, Ed. What was your biggest takeaway from this game on Sunday?
0: Well, I mean, you know, you could say, yeah, they beat the Falcons who stink, but it's not like they, like you said, they didn't beat them by a point. They took care of business. You know, that listen, Doug Doug Peterson never had a 26 point win on the road in his five years in Philadelphia. Um, So that's one takeaway is the Eagles put the pedal down and, and they kept their foot on the gas. And my main takeaway is Nick Sirianni really called a masterful game plan. I mean, he threw the ball early to set up the run. Um, So they they, they ran the ball a little bit in the first half, but they threw passes. And then after they got the lead in the second half, he started running the ball. And, you know, this is a powerful offensive line uh, that they can run behind, and they're healthy. And, you know, what struck me when you – that promo, if you're watching this on YouTube and you saw that promo into this show is you're you're looking at clips from last year when you're seeing guys like Jack Driscoll in that promo and Nate Herbig and – you know, these are guys that, you know, they, they may not see the field this year if this five stays healthy. Um, but so my main takeaway, I think, is Nick Sirianni, the way he called this game, uh, very good play calling. Now, listen, he had two fourth down calls that he, you know, he wishes he could have uh, maybe had a different play call for. It wasn't perfect, but it was good enough. And when you look on the other sideline, you see Arthur Smith, who the Eagles interviewed and could have had a chance to hire. I mean, he just looked like his team was totally unprepared compared to what Sirianni had out there. So that's my first takeaway and probably my biggest takeaway. I'd say there's so many others, but you asked me what my biggest one was, and that's what it is, Nick Sirianni's uh, coaching uh, and his game planning.
1: That's a good point about Arthur Smith, though, because the Eagles were actually really interested to have Arthur Smith come in an interview, and he didn't leave Atlanta. He went to Atlanta, had that interview, and didn't, didn't leave. And the Eagles did want to interview him. Now, he was one of the top candidates they wanted to interview
0: Well, Arthur oh. Smith did say he talked to the Eagles. When we had him leading into the week, we asked him, and he did have a conversation with the Eagles. So, he did have a conversation. Um, there was a conversation. I don't know how in-depth it was or how far it went, but he talked to them.
1: He may be either out of gates because, I'll tell you right now, Nick Sirianni looked a lot better than him. looked a lot better. and Like you said, he had the team way more prepared. Uh, for a team that didn't really – it's funny because, you know, I saw Falcons fans. The, the first excuse was we didn't – that this team didn't have a preseason. This team didn't have time to get chemistry together. Neither did the Eagles. Laughness. Neither did the Eagles. Yeah, there's no – this Eagles team did not have a preseason together. The quarterback, I mean, played like, what, three snaps, if that, in, in Pittsburgh? Was Pittsburgh yeah. in preseason? I mean, this was uh, – the one thing uh, – here's one another thing I want to add into this that I thought was silly. I heard – The biggest complaints, and I'm sorry I have people mowing my lawn right now from the outside, so if you hear that in the broadcast, I deeply apologize. But, you know, people complain that the Eagles didn't throw the field ball down the field that much or they didn't start throwing the ball down the field, do any of that stuff. Um, I thought playing a conservative approach was smart, given the fact that your quarterback is just getting out there. He's just getting out into the back of the game. still a new offense. Still a new system. Taking what the defense gives you this this week one game as you you're really back, you're back on the field, you're back in the offense, you're getting the group. I had no problem with it. I thought the game plan was perfectly fine. It was a master class, I actually. Play calling by Nick Sirianni, the first time play caller had that as well.
0: Uh you know, that, Nick Sirianni said afterward that they wanted to take deep shot. They had some plays dialed up to go deep, and they did hit Zach Ertz deep. It was a little underthrown by Hertz. Uh, but you know, Zach Ertz was out there and you know, he had to come back and dive to make the catch. And it it probably wasn't a catch. Judging by the way, Ertz jumped up and ran back to the line of scrimmage saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, And they got the ball off before they could review it. But uh, Sirianni said they wanted to take deep shots, but the Falcons were taking that away. So listen, that's the sign of a a well-coached team when Jalen Hurts recognizes that uh, and Sirianni recognizes it, that they're taking this away. Let's take. The shorter intermediate stuff. Let's throw these short bubble type screens and uh, throw the ball to Miles Sanders, who had four catches out of the backwell, out of the backfield, and Kenny Gainwell added another two. So they were just taking what the defense was giving them. They weren't trying to force anything deep because the Falcons were taking that away. And that that's a big difference from last year when we saw Doug Peterson try to go vertical uh, deep, you know, all the time, you know, forcing stuff deep, 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 deep. That wasn't there. Now, listen, it's, there's going to come a time that that deep ball is going to be there, and they're going to go deep. But Sunday against the Falcons wasn't that time.
1: I uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be completely fine. I'm not worried about it at all. i ride rather you take what the defense gives you, especially with – you know, Joan Hurts wasn't the most accurate quarterback last year. Let's just be honest. Uh, his accuracy needed to be improved. And I, I thought, looking at yesterday, it did, it did so – I mean, excuse me, this past Sunday, it did. He looked a lot improved. Uh, he got the ball off yeah. quicker, too. I thought it was well, great.
0: Uh, we should talk about Hurts because he looked like a completely different quarterback. And, you know, you ask me my takeaways, and Nick Sirianni's at the top. But right behind him is Jalen Hurts and just how smooth and in control of the offense that he looked. Um, you know, it looked like he had been practicing it all summer, uh, and he was. And he's a smart kid. Um, he got them out of some tough Situations where there were mistakes made. Sirianni said that afterward, that on a, a few plays, uh, Hertz was able to improvise and uh, scramble and pick up first downs with his legs. When the pocket broke down, you saw him step up in the pocket on one-third and ninth throw. He climbed the pocket, which is something that, you know, it looked like last year he was hesitant to do. He's quick to flee the pocket, especially to his right. But on Sunday, we saw him in one play in particular: step up into the pocket and hit Devontae Smith for a a big gain on a third and nine. We saw him step up and then throw. He on a touchdown throw to Goddard. He stepped up into the pocket and then went right and threw across his body to Goddard. So to me, Jalen Hurts looked like a a very, you know, more than just a a quarterback making his fifth start. He looked like he was in complete control out there, and that's an encouraging sign.
1: No, that the the. Pointing the comment pointing out the two minute drill but it was the most impressive aspect of the game for me. I agree. You yeah, yeah, ran that two minute drill like a, a proven
0: veteran one. That, that was the turning point, in my opinion, that two minute drill because you're seven six at that point. You get the ball back with under two minutes to play, sixty two yards away from a touchdown. And what made it even more impressive was they had the penalty. They they thought they had the touchdown with nine seconds to go to Kenny Gainwell. Uh, and that gets called back because somehow Lane Johnson's standing in the end zone when the ball is thrown. So he's illegally downfield. So they march him back five yards to the nine and that unfazed. That was in my opinion.
1: What's that? that? I know you're talking about that. I, that, that ball should have got out sooner to Kenny Gamewell. That's why Lane Johnson was so far down the field, though, in my opinion. That's, yeah, that, well, that, that, one I, that one I can knock on because that was supposed to be a shovel pass, so a immediate shovel pass, and that, it Hurts did hesitate. I think that's what that, – those plays happen all the time. So right. I thought this was Joe Hurts. That's an NFL thing. So go ahead. But, Sorry. I, interrupt.
0: I was just going to say that the important part of that is, okay, now you have, you know, just a few seconds left. And, and, and Hurts was unfazed. You know, he, he, he rolls, he, he drops back, steps up, rolls to his right and hits Goddard. Now, you know, you could say, well, he could have run the ball there uh, and maybe got in, but if he didn't, time runs out, you have no timeouts and you don't get any points. So he made just a really, really savvy decision. To throw the ball, and he and he threw it into a window. If you look at that play, you know Goddard's got two wonder. guys in front of him, and he threw it to Goddard. You know Goddard's running across the you know the middle part of the end zone, and he throws it to an open spot, and Goddard dives and gets it. But the poise that Hertz had when you take a touchdown off of the board, and then you come back on the next play five yards further, th- you know back, and you still throw another touchdown pass. I thought it was that was a huge, huge turning point that that drive, no doubt.
1: That. That touchdown pass was the best pass Jalen Hurts has made as a foot-up eagle. Um, <laughs> that touchdown pass is up there with Carson Wentz's Miles Sanders touchdown pass, to be honest with you, because like you just said, he threw Goddard open. Yeah. Goddard was covered. He was double-covered, and he put the ball in place only where his, quarter, uh, excuse me, his tight end could get it. That is what I love about Jalen Hurts. That is what people missed these past four games because we were so focused on how bad the Eagles were, how bad they were offensively, how they couldn't get things done. Jalen Hurts throws his receivers open. Yeah. That is something that Carson Wentz did not do, folks. And I, I'm sorry to say it. He did not. Jalen Hurts does. Nick Foles does. That does not mean you're an elite quarterback by any means. That means you're a quarterback that uh, – when Jalen Hurts is coming out, I had Thorne Isher on the show, and this is what's back last year. I'm going way back. And he joined the show when we discussed Jalen Hurts and what kind of prospect he could be. And he compared him to Ricky Rubio, the point guard in the NBA. Hmm. And I thought that is such an interesting comparison. Yeah. And the reason why he compared him to Ricky Rubio is because he's a facilitator. He's a point guard of the field. He can get the ball to his guys and make them make plays. That is exactly what you see these five games of Jalen Hurts has been with the Philadelphia Eagles. I love it. I think that's what you need in a quarterback nowadays because in a league where separation is so sparse, because I know that we always focus on the Eagles and their lack of separation from the receivers this last couple of years. But in this league, separation is sparse. There's a ton of great man coverage corners in this league. There's a ton of great man coverage schemes in this league in general.
0: Right.
1: So in, in, in a league where you're, like I just said, separation is so as Joe Hurts is the type of quarterback that can throw those receivers open. He did that on the Devontae Smith touchdown as well, too. I love it.
0: Yeah, well, you can tell that Hurts has been very well coached throughout the offseason and the summer, and that is something he didn't get last year. You know, Carson Wentz was the starter for the first, what, 11, 12 weeks of the season. Uh, and, you know, the backup's probably not getting coached that much. Um, you know, and it was a strange world with the virtual, a lot of virtual stuff going well, you on this I mean, I know you're going to remember
1: because you're always there, but yeah, Doug Peterson he, he looks, alluded to putting Jalen Hurtson as calling a white flag on the season.
0: Yeah, and I'm not, he wasn't getting – you could see that he was getting coached up by Sirianni. Sirianni gave him every first-team rep in camp, and it was ridiculous that there was this – Oh, he won't name him the starting quarterback. Why not? You know, listen, he's getting all the first team reps. I mean, that that to me, without saying it, is he's your starting quarterback. And you can see that he was coached up well. And, you know, you have to remember Hertz has been in – I think it's been five. This might be his wow. sixth different offense in the last six years. Yeah. Um, so now you hope that he can settle in with this, with this coaching staff that isn't going to go anywhere – uh, for a while, maybe Jonathan Gannon will at some point if his defense plays uh, like it, you know, like it's supposed to this year. But you know, this is the coaching staff that's going to be here a while. And Hurts, if he can continue to grow within this offense, you know, I, I think he's only kind of scratching at the potential that that he has to be, you know, one of the top ten quarterbacks in this league. I'm
1: just going to go back to when I wrote: Howie Roseman needs to prove." that this is the Russell Wilson pick and why he picked him. It was never to compare, and I said it multiple times, wrote it in two articles since. It was never to compare Jalen Hurts as the talent to Russell Wilson's talent. That was never the case. The case being Jalen Hurts possesses the t- intangibles that Russell Wilson has and every franchise caliber quarterback has. He has the hit factor. He has everything he needed in him. Uh, I would be shocked. I'm, I'm, I'm You know, I know it was against Atlanta. I know it was a poor defense. But I'm talking about the whole entire body of work that he showed me. And I'm going back to that that Cardinals game last year. I'm going back to that Saints game last year. I'm going back to this victory of the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm saying to myself right now, Jalen Hurts has very high potential to be the starting quarterback of this team. And to take it to places that, you know, Carson Wentz didn't take it because he's more durable. And that's, I thought that was really interesting when uh, high Rosen went on 94.1 WIP. And that comment he makes is that we always need to, do, when they asked him, do you regret making this pick? Would you make another choice now knowing what happened and everything's going on? He goes, no. You know, we always had to rely on our backup quarterback in the playoffs. Yeah. That's true. He, he you know, said
0: we played four playoff games and we needed our backup quarterback in every single one of them, uh, which is a valid point, no, no doubt. But, but yeah, and, you know,
1: I think we're going to come back to this looking at this pit selection of Jalen Hurts and you know how he may look like a genius after this ed because even if Carson Wentz be- becomes the quarterback that the Eagles believed he was that Frank Reich believes he is how long does it last ed because his injury history shows you're going to be missing Carson Wentz at some point throughout his career yeah. It's just the it's just it's the case of his career. I mean, he started off as an Indianapolis Colts ter- um, tenure with a bad foot. You know, it this is just Carson Wentz's career.
0: Played hundred percent of the snaps though on Sunday. Good sign for getting that first round pick from the Colts though. If he can you know, if he can keep doing that, you know, more than more than more than uh, you know, not. But of course the Colts lost. But um he played hundred percent of the snaps, so that's all you can do. And meanwhile, Hurts, you know, you talk about their ability. he's still kind of like a running back, Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's a thick doesn't get injured. Third. He's a thick, yeah. He's a thick, sturdy guy. I mean, you know, he wears the, you know, he, it looks like he wears some rib protection. But you know, when you when you look at him, when I was looking at him out on the field against Atlanta, you know, Donovan McNabb, he looks like McNabb to me. Like he's a, he's a very well put together, uh, compact type of player. So you would think he'd have some durability. And how many? He didn't really take any big shots on. You know, when he ran Whoa. and he got loose, he that's He's so fast. He just he turns up field and he gets what he gets and he steps out, um, and that's what you want. You know, you don't want your quarterback taking hits, uh, and he seems to do a good job of avoiding them.
1: That's why I feel a little bit more confident in me saying that his durability won't be an issue because he knows he doesn't take those hits. He doesn't leave himself open to take those hits. He's right. since Alabama,
0: Right.
1: since Alabama, this has been this has been going on since Alabama. He he knows not to take these hits and get injured. So yeah. Uh, not concerned about his durability. I don't think that's ever going to be an issue with the Philadelphia Eagles, even with his mobility. I don't think that's going to be an issue. But we got we also have to talk about Devontae Smith.
0: Yeah, let me let me just cut in here, Connor. I just a little bit of breaking news here. The Eagles uh converted uh 13, almost 14 million dollars at Fletcher Cox's uh, base salary into a signing boat bonus, and uh that creates about eleven point one million in cap space for them with that conversion. Um you know F- Field Yates kind of broke that story but that that's what's breaking right now is the Eagles have restructured Fletcher Cox's contract uh saving just over 11 million dollars in salary cap room and it's something that uh, was similar to what the Ravens did when they signed Marlon Humphrey uh they converted uh two you know over 2 million dollars of his uh contract and saved almost 2 million in their cap so you know big move by the Eagles I don't know what they're gearing up for here with they got to pay their guys money.
1: They're gonna pay their own guys.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're gonna pay yeah. their
1: own guys. If this isn't, uh, I, I, nobody's really watching right now. But this isn't something that's a huge, you know. They're gonna go get somebody. They're bringing right. somebody in. Like, no, this is for their guys. This is for Dallas Goddard. This is for, states. Uh, well, I mean,
0: Josh Sweat or Derek Barnett, you could look. Josh, up that you're sorry. There. I yeah,
1: completely. I, well, you you I, wrote, I, wrote I that. Wrote I mean, that's that. a good. I, thing. I
0: literally just. Read that. Yeah, you but wrote yeah, that. One of the, yeah, those so guys that, are gonna that, be that's big. a good point. Is it could be for one, maybe both of those DNs. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to decide
1: they're not, yet. They're not. I, all I know is they're not freeing up money to bring somebody else in. That's no. not the case. They're freeing yeah. up money to pay their own guys because they need to pay Goddard. I mean, right. if anything, this past Sunday showed you he needs to be the guy. This needs to be the guy going forward at tight end. And the reason, what being, is because I, I I said it before. He was Joe hurts second favorite target. Statistically, when Jalen Hurts was inserted, uh, he's going to be his red zone option. That's going to be his security blanket in the red zone to be Dallas Goddard. I think Dallas Goddard can get 10, t- ten touchdowns this year, at least bare minimum, the way Jalen Hurts targets him in the red zone. Uh, they have to lock up Dallas Goddard. But they have to pay him. I know that talks fell off and they focused on Jordan Mulata, which, again, like I wrote, it was a f- pretty much the philosophy of his organization is to lock up and secure the trenches before any other position other than quarterback. So, but this this money that they're getting from Roger Cox is going to be for their own guys. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, I, I agree. But yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, you wanted to talk uh, about Devontae Smith, right? What, what, how great is it to finally
1: have an alpha receiver? In? Yeah. How great is that for the Eagles? I mean, yeah. when they went, I think Jalen hurts threw him four consecutive times. He did. We're straight. That doesn't happen for the Eagles. No. That has not happened to the Eagles since Jeremy Macklin. And I don't even know if Jeremy Macklin had the trust of his quarterbacks that much to throw him one four because the times in a row.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I have no problem overloading the target if the target produces. And mm-hmm. that is going to be Devontae Smith day in and day out. He is the alpha receiver that they've been missing. This is the guy. This is their number one receiver head. And it only took one game for me to feel that way. Because when you have that much confidence to go to your guy – Four times in a row? I know you start off the game three straight passes to Quest Watkins, but if he would have caught those three passes, he wouldn't be starting anymore because then you have to catch those. I'm talking about Devontae Smith over the middle of the field. I'm talking about Devontae Smith in the back of the end zone. I'm talking about on clutch third downs. Jalen Hurts trusted Devontae, Devontae Smith to make those plays, and he made those plays. They have their alpha receiver, right? This is – Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy McInerney were great. But they haven't had a guy of this stature since Terrell Owens. I'm sorry. It's the truth.
0: Yeah. Well, look at that touchdown that he had. I mean, he just ran right by the defender with a route and was able to separate. I mean, that was pretty easy pitch and catch when you look at that again. So easy. Smith was, you know, several yards behind. I can't remember who the who – the, uh, Fabian Moreau. Yeah. Okay. So he was, he's several yards past Fabian Moreau, and it was just an easy – you know, it was a layup touchdown, really, and that—that's what Smith gives you. Is he gives you that, you know, that uh, that route running, that precise route running, the ability to separate uh, because he's such a good route runner, um, and then he can turn on the Jets too. But uh, and and you know, listen, Nick Sirianni talked on Monday about his pass blocking too, or not his pass, it was run. Blocking.
1: Oh my God, he did everything. He
0: did everything. Yeah. yeah, and and that was unsolicited him praising him for run blocking, uh, which is something the wide receivers need to do, obviously. Um because you mentioned no, J.J.R. Right? though. What's that?
1: Devontae Smith deserved that praise. He he his run blocking yeah. was a phenomenal for a guy his size.
0: Yeah, right. For a guy his size. And you just hope that a guy his size can answer the call 17 straight weeks here. And so far so good. I mean, I love that I force fed him those four. Uh, you know, and it wasn't force fed. I mean, that was what the defense gave to Jalen Hurts, and he had confidence, and Smith was getting open. And oh, I asked him about that after the game is, you know, what was, the, was that? Were you the number one option on that? And he said that was just the personnel we had in there. Uh, so it wasn't designed to go to Devontae to Smith. So, and he did a good job catching those passes, and Hurts did a good job finding them. I mean, we all
1: talked about the chemistry that they could possibly have because there's their time in Alabama, but that was years ago, Ed. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts is not the clearer he was at Alabama that he is no.
0: now. No, that's an so, rated thing. I think is that chemistry. I mean, because you're right. That was I agree with that. I
1: back. I thought the same thing. I was like, dude, they don't have real chemistry. That might have been wrong though, because that first that first throw to him was a touchdown catch, and Jalen Hurts put it in a position where he knew Devontae Smith was going to be.
0: Yeah, that I know that's
1: nice. again they yep. practiced together since then with the yeah. Eagles, so that yeah. obviously helps. But I mean. I thought that was an overrated thing to talk about their chemistry that was really not not really that existent when Jalen Hurst out Alabama, but that was nothing but pure chemistry there. Those four executive targets were pure chemistry.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it was repped over and over, you know, and you're right, Hurts wasn't the same quarterback. So maybe yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much there is to that. I mean, I think if anything, it's just their friendship and the relationship they have together on you know, off the field that that is is a big factor in, in that. Um, But listen, this is a whole new offense. Um, But, yeah, he trusts Smith from those days, and he threw the ball up for Smith on that touchdown. It was an easy throw, easy catch. Um, And then those four straight completions, he just fed him, And that third and nine I'm talking about, I mean, that was a really, really good play when Hertz stepped up into the pocket and hit him on a very important thing, you know, keep the clock moving. They had the lead, uh, and they convert a first down there. I mean, that's important stuff. The Eagles did a good job on third downs. They converted almost 50% of them. Uh, which was fantastic, and I, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the way Hertz ran that offense and the way he got Smith involved in it.
1: I'm, I completely agree. And I, again, watching Joe Hurts step up in the pocket is one thing you want to see as an improvement from him. And I thought yeah. he did not consistently well, but I thought he did enough to prove that he's improving in that area, in that area. Right. But the way that they schemed his receivers in space—I mean, they utilized. Quite, I don't know. It was at the start of the game, and they shot away from after but. Uh, they utilize Quez Watkins' speed to his advantage or off the game. They utilize Jalen Rager's ability mm-hmm. to get downfield by giving him enough space. Uh, I thought that was huge. It looks like these receivers are going to be schemed open in this this offense. And that's what, you, that's what Jalen Rager needs.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: that's what Quiz Watkins needs. That's not so much what Devontae Smith needs, but that's exactly what those guys need. And to see Jalen Rager score, to have a new front of, you know, that newfound confidence that you wrote about, that yeah. he's, he's, Coming into the season as a completely new player, uh, new self, he looked. He looked the part.
0: Yeah, you know the I box think.
1: score doesn't jump off at you: forty-nine yards, six catches, one touchdown. But uh, I'll take that any day from him after last year. You know, this is it's building up confidence, slowly building it back up to, to the point that he is the first round. Because again, as much as people crushed the Eagles for taking Jalen Rager, the Vikings or the Saints would have taken him if he was on the board. Yeah, he, he was going to be a first-round wide receiver, regardless. There yeah. is talent there. There is something to be had there. Uh, if as long as they keep scheming him open in space, I think you're going to see some scoring plays like he did this past weekend against Atlanta.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you know what? You know what else I liked is you know he showed a lot more confidence catching the uh, punts. You know, he, you know he was the the main punt returner, the only punt returner, and um, you know there was some traffic around him a few times, and you're waiting. Okay make sure you catch it. And and he did. And he looked more confident doing that. And we saw him return a 73 yard punt return for a touchdown against the Packers. You know, he did, he was a little hesitant on some of those returns I'd like to, but I think, you know, I'll predict it right now. I think Jalen Rager is going to take another punt return back for a touchdown this year, because I think he's very dangerous in that role, and I think he's only going to get more dangerous as this season goes on. And Michael Clay has a chance to work with him, show him some of the corrections that he uh, needs to make from that game against Atlanta. A little hesitant in some points, but you know he's looking for a spot to cut it up and, and accelerate, and then turn on the Jets because we know he's fast, uh, and that's where he can show it—is in that the, the, you know that long type of touchdown run like we saw in Green Bay. So I, I kind of like that part of his game too. Is there was a lot of mystery over who was going to return punts. Uh, heading into this game, and we saw it's going to be Jalen Rager, and I love that role for him. You know, and
1: Kenny Gainwell made a huge impact for the rookie yeah. to, as well. He's I I think it's safe to assume he is running back two this year because you have to get him on the field. Like
0: yeah. Austin well, Scott didn't play a single offensive snap. I think he had 12 special-team snaps. That's it. Um, and we talked it's to gonna be different. It's, it's going to be a week-to-week thing, you think. Maybe. But uh, Sirianni was asked about Kenny Gainwell, and, he said the thing we needed to, he had to earn our trust in the pass protection game. That was something that he needed to show he could do in order to play that position. And the coaches were sold on his ability to do that. And we saw him make, you know, I, I can remember at least one good block that he made on a pass pick, uh, pass rush um, pick up. So, uh, you know, if he can continue to get better in that area and continue to show the coaches that he's up to that challenge, he, I think he's going to be number two. Uh, regardless of uh, you know of of what what happens, I mean, you hope he stays healthy, like as always with any player. But I think Boston Scott's going to be the third running back for this team in the foreseeable future. Here,
1: it has to be because Kenny is too good, man.
0: Yeah, he's too he
1: he's too good of a receiving threat uh, yep. to keep on the sidelines. So I, I like the usage of Kenny Gamble, and I expect that they keep continuing going forward. You know who doesn't? You know who actually did not get enough recognition? I thought I was going say Amalu. I think yeah. Samalu played I thought, and people are gonna be like this is, this is crazy, you're crazy, but uh, given his assignment against Greedy Jerry, I thought he played the best along the offensive line.
0: Yeah. Get some two, dumb false starts. Yeah, yeah, right. Two of those. That's what I was gonna yeah, say. It's a two
1: dumb false starts, but again, yeah. uh Wayne so Johnson, you know, it this this offensive line wasn't together really still this preseason. I I can take the false start got going forward because these false starts are, are drive killers. That was the one thing that was Achilles' heel of the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020. Is once they had the the offensive line penalties, the kiss the, the drive goodbye. It's over. They overcame it somewhat with Nick Sirianni, and I thought that was I that instilled confidence in me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. again. I think Samalu played extremely well though for going against Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. I
0: thought say
1: yes, Sayamalu played a hell of a game and he proved to everybody once again, stop calling Landon Dickerson the starting left guard. It's Ozzy Sayamalu. Yeah.
0: But look, he made a he made a really good uh two blocks really on that easy touchdown run Gainwell had, the eight-yarder that put the Eagles up twenty-two to six late in the third quarter. But it was a double team initially on with Jason Kelsey on Grady Jarrett. He he started by you know, going to his right, helping Kelsey push Jared away, and then Siamalu turned and kind of stepped over the hole where the ball was going and then smashed into the linebacker and blew him right out of the hole. And and Gainwell just kinda of, he could have walked in from there. You and I could have scored that touchdown. It was such a wide open lane and Siamalu was the one who really helped pave it. He he got two blocks on that play. Siamalu's a good player, man. Very underrated. Very He's underrated. Very under- Kelsey says he's the most underrated player on the line, and you're right. I mean, everybody says Landon Dickerson, and maybe at some point he will be. I'm perfectly
1: um, fine with Landon Dickerson becoming the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey. Yeah. He's a and great he, center at Alabama. He was better at Ryan Kelly at Alabama.
0: And listen, he could even be the guy that steps in for Brandon Brooks. You know, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves is, here. Is, yeah, but, yeah, we are. You know, but, but you know, Brooks probably is in his last year here. So, you know, Siamau is still signed, I think, through 2022. You know, you could see C. Malu at left guard and, and Dickerson at right guard. So, I mean, but that, again, that's, that's getting you way are. ahead of ourselves. You know, right now, well, I'm just tired everybody
1: calling for Sam Malu's job. Yeah. That would be a yeah. mistake if the Philadelphia Eagles bench Isaac Sam no, He's that's- finally come to be a great starter for this team. Not, I don't want to say great, but he's finally come to be a good starter for this team. And then Jordan Malata's block on Richie Grant. I mean, it's all, it's the block around the world. You've seen it everywhere um, yeah. on social media. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. to spree Jalen Rager and open space that way. Uh, this offensive line is back.
0: Yeah, and it's you know fun. another cool thing about CMO? He's got great hair. Love the hair, man. Love his hair. And, you Little
1: know, jealous. I when they initially announced he, he switched his number to 56, mm-hmm. I put him in my doghouse. I love that number on defensive ends now. After Chris Long wrote that number, I wanted that to be on defensive end. So when when he first initially they switched to number 56, he was in my doghouse. But all is forgiven because – if I wanted my college number, I I sure would want to get it too, and that's what his college number was, was fifty six. So I completely understand it. And he earned fifty six by the way he played against the Atlanta Falcons, and Green Jerry, this past Sunday. Yep. Moving on to the defense, though, we gotta talk about the de- we gotta end this trip talking about the defense. Okay. Um, the run defense, what at it adjusted? It did adjust, but it was the QBC at the beginning. And again, you're going against Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. Not not. I mean, you're looking at an NFC East division. where you have Antonio Gibson, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, that NFC has a ton of good running backs in it. This is probably their weakest matchup of the season, running back-wise. Because, mm-hmm. again, the 49ers don't have anybody name-wise, name value coming in. But this is Kyle Shanahan's scheme. They're going to they're gonna get a 100-yard rush regardless of what they put out there.
0: Yeah, and they're missing Raheem Mostert. You know, Mostert uh, has a knee injury, so he's going to be out. You know, he's. Their and it didn't even leader. matter
1: though because they put he put uh, Mitchell in.
0: Yeah, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell,
1: and he had a hundred yards again. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's system is going to turn out a hundred yard runner regardless. Yeah. Uh, that is going to be a huge test for the run defense this week, going yep. against San Francisco's run off rushing offense. Regardless, who's back there holding the ball? Yeah. Uh, but again, Mike Davis, the Cordell that's are your easiest test of the season, and he kind of failed, in my opinion. You adjusted. That was great. I would love to see adjustments because this team was was a huge failure, adjustment wise, last yeah. season. Making adjustments, so making adjustments was was crucial, I guess, for especially for a first year defensive coordinator, first year defensive play call. Mm-hmm. But you cannot let the Atlanta Falcons offensive line, Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, have a hundred yards rushing in the first half. You can't do that. You nice. just can't do that. And when you when you're going up against a much much talented, more running backs in this league. Uh that that could lose you game very off the back, giving up a hundred yards rushing in the first half. Yeah. So that is well, not something you want to see moving
0: forward. I think a lot of it too had just they just weren't sharp tackling early on either. I mean, I think there were a few missed tackles. We saw Avante Maddox miss one, diving at a runner's feet. We saw uh, Eric Wilson miss at least two tackles I can think of. I think Eric Wilson should... had a rough game, man. Yeah, he did. I, I'm sure there were some adjustments, but I, I don't know how much of adjustments as it was. You know, let's tackle. Let's play our technique better. You had too many guys trying to do too many different things. And I think it was just a reminder is, look, let's just play within the scheme. You know, we're going to be OK, but don't try to freelance out there. Be secure in your tackling. Uh, and listen, first game, you're going to expect some missed tackles. You hope that they can tighten that up against the 49ers, so they don't have 110 yards in the first half like the Falcons had, but I think that was a lot of it. I think just some missed tackles, you know, maybe trying – you know, guys excited, amped up, trying to do a little bit too much. Maybe Eric Wilson trying to make his debut an impressive one for the Eagles. Um, So once they settled down, uh, I think that, you know, that was key. But listen, as much as I say the turning point on offense was that two-minute drill at the end of the first half, I think the turning point on defense was – Stopping them and holding them to a field goal after that fourteen play drive the Falcons had, the Atlanta goes up seven nothing. There, I mean, that place was jumping in Atlanta. You know, you had seventy thousand, almost seventy thousand people there, and it was loud or early. And if they score and go up seven nothing, then you know when when Devontae Smith scores that touchdown, it's seven seven. It's not seven three. So that that stop that they had on that that first red zone entry by the Falcons, I think, was a huge turning point for the defense.
1: Oh, I agree. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, you know, the bend don't break. Right. <laughs> that was little,
0: that was exactly what happened. They bent, but they didn't break. And that's what you want to see. I mean, again, this is
1: a, this is a league of points. You know, if you could hold them to three points right in their own end zone, you're doing a you're good defense. I don't care. That's fine with me because that that wins you football games. And then, yeah, you, know, you probably did. So, what else impressed you on the defense? I mean, again, I, what impressed me the most is John DeGans first defensive. You know, first game as defensive coordinator, first game calling a defensive uh, play calling, and he shuts out the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts to six points. So there you go, I'm impressed already.
0: Well, I you listen, you check out Connor. You have a great article that's going to come out on Darius Slay. I mean, I know you were impressed with Darius Slay, and that that story's going to you know uh, be posted here in the next uh, you know fourteen hours or so, maybe you know Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning. But you know that. You were, I know you were impressed with Darius Slay, right? I mean, and I, and I thought, and I was impressed with Steve Nelson, to be honest with you. I think, I think those two veteran corners, if again, like anything else, they stay healthy, uh, are, are going to be huge for this defense. But, you know, talk about Slay. What, what impressed you about Slay? Well, the thing
1: is, the Eagles have laid the foundation to get the best play out of Darius Slay at the back end of his career. And that's what the Indianapolis Colts did this past season when they signed Xavier Rhodes. You know, he was coming from Minnesota, he was coming from totally down trajectory, looks like he's completely washed in my opinion, signs a one-year, three-three $3 million deal with the Colts, reunites with Jonathan Gannon, and what Jonathan Gannon does is put him in a position to succeed by taking away assignments, saying, you know, Xavier, you're not the lockdown corner you were before. You're on a top five. You're not able to pay attention to the back end while paying attention to the front and taking away the middle of the field or making sure you don't get beat behind you. You're not at that point in your career anymore. So I'm going to give you some safety support. I'm going, to give you guys, I'm going to give you a safety in the box that takes away the middle of the field, and you just focus on your sole assignment of the receiver and making sure he doesn't get beat past you. That is exactly what Jonathan Gannon did this past Sunday with Darius Slay, And you can notice it from – I don't know if this is what's going to be, and I wrote about it in the article. I don't know if this is what's going to be going forward to expect from Darius Slay or Anthony Harris, I mean. But Anthony Harris played 21 snaps out of his 71 in the box. And he took away the middle of the field doing so. He played mostly coverage by doing this in the box. That helped Darius Slay so much to focus in on Calvin Ridley. And what happened when he focused in on Calvin Ridley? Calvin Ridley was a ghost. You didn't hear from him at all during that game after the first couple catches. That is what I expect from Jonathan Gannon going forward to the whole entire season is put Darius Slay in a position to focus on one assignment. And when you have a guy of Darius Slay's talent, because again, Last season was probably Darius Slay's worst year in the league. Honestly, it was. He gave up the most career uh, receiving yards his entire career. Second worst passer rating since his rookie year. A lot of it went into scheme, but also what also went into it. And again, Jeremy, according to the, sound the article, Jeremy Fowler went around the league and asked a bunch of executives what he thought about the corners in this league. And what they said about Darius Slay was he would, when he's not in it, when the team's not winning. And the, and things aren't going well. Things aren't going to go well with him. And I do believe he's a he is a rhythm player, just like Jalen Rager is, just like some other players on this team that are. But when this defense is playing good and they're clicking on cylinders, I think Darius like can return to a top ten level corner form. But he also needs support in doing so, and the defensive coordinator that they hired is allowing him to do so. They're going to take away the middle of the field with the safety that's in the box. They're going to they're gonna give Darius Slay enough support to focus on the back end and make sure he doesn't get beat by his guy. And he does that. You know, take away the DK Metcalf, take away the Devontae Adams performances because those guys are elite receivers. They're going to do that to any corner in this league. They've done it to Jalen Ramsey. They've done it to Xavier Howard. They've done it to multiple guys. Those guys are going to do it day in and day out. Take away those performances, Darius Slay fared very well. And this is a team that, you know, they turned out, Le- Leos McKelvin, Byron Maxwell. Terry Williams, Jalen Mills as their top corners year in and year out. Darius Slay has been a godsend for this team, and the production is going to match uh, match the value that the Eagles gave up for him this season because the defensive coordinator's put him in a position to succeed. Darius Slay's going to be in the Pro Bowl this year.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's great analysis, right there, Connor. I can't top top any of that. I mean, that's just. Yeah, you that's know, just good hard studying and some homework. I watched things. the
1: game three times, man. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. And look, if if you're listening right now out there, NFL Game Pass, please for the love of God return the All 22 to the film because rewatching these games like we're watching the game as a normal broadcast is incredibly hard. Yeah, incredibly hard. That it, it's so hard to see the angles that the Eagles are playing in coverage. watch. I would love to elaborate more in that article than I did, but I do not have the All-22 to go off of. And that is damning because not getting that coach's angle is harsh to see what they're doing coverage-wise. But from the angles I did see, it looks as if they're going to give the corners a ton of support this year. And again, Ed, I know, I know you recall this because you are my editor. When I wrote about what the pairing of Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris does for this defense, it gives nothing but support to the corners. So not only did the Eagles... Say, hey, Darius Slay, we're going to give you a ton of support this year. We signed Anthony Harris. We signed Steven Nelson. So now it's up to you to just focus on your one assignment and not worry about every other possibility on the field like you did last year. Mm -hmm. It's just the perfect position for him to succeed. And that's what what this coaching staff does, Ed, is they play to their players' strengths. And when you have guys like – Darius Slay is still talented. Butcher Cox is still talented. Jalen Hurts is very talented. When you play your players' strengths, their talent is just going to overcome and overshow each and every week. And that's what it did on Sunday, and I expect it going forward.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, you know, that. that, I can't wait to – you know, people can read that story. But one that they can read uh, from Connor, another really, really good, insightful piece was on Javon Hargrave, and that's on our site, EagleMaven.com. You can find that there. But, you know, Hargrave really, uh, like you said, he has arrived. And, you know, he had two sacks, six tackles – really took over. And even Sirianni mentioned him on Monday that, you know, what a game Hargrave had. And, you know, listen, he wasn't on. He was healthy to start the year last year, like you point out. He sat home in Washington. When they went to Washington, he's watching on television, bummed out, doesn't know all his teammates because it's all virtual. So, you know, now you see he's comfortable, he's having fun, and, you know, he's got two sacks already. I think his career high is six and a half um you know he he could do better than that um but listen it was a great start from Hargrave and listen we saw we saw a little bit of that last year uh in december against the saints he had two sacks so you know we've seen kind of this building in confidence uh getting to know his teammates a little bit better uh and now he's just kind of carried it over into this season so far and it was a great start for Hargrave and you know Connie did a good job with the story uh, again it's eaglemaven.com you can find it there or uh, at rsi.com slash nfl slash eagles site. You
1: can definitely subscribe because I'm not going to lie. I, I, in, a, in a year, in, a, in, a, in an era where we ask for subscribers for articles, and you know, it's not something that we all love to do. I, I know Ed doesn't because I've never heard him ask anybody to do it. And this is the first time I'm bringing it up. But if you guys subscribe, you're going to get it all sent to your phone right away. Uh, you don't have yeah. to even go to the site. So, And it supports Ed, it supports us, it supports everything that we do that we can continue doing going forward. So if you could be so kind and generosity to subscribe to the SI.com slash NFL slash Eagles, we would greatly appreciate it. And, again, Ed is posting at least bare minimum of articles a day, it feels like. John is posting continuously. I'm picking it back up a little bit, getting back into my rhythm. You're going to get nothing but nonstop Eagles news and notes and things that aren't really being discussed by other outlets straight to your phone straight to your email, straight straight to your inbox. So, again, you guys could be so so kind, but to subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. But I, I love that you pointed this out, and we're going to end the show on this. I did say J. Mark Hargrave arrived, but he was in the building from the last six weeks of the season yes. up until now. Yep. He was in the building. He arrived on Sunday, though. And, and the way he arrived is he's comfortable now. He gets it. This is his system. This is his defensive line. He knows what Fletcher Cox is going to do. He knows what Brandon Graham's going to do. He knows what Joshua Derek Barnett and so on and so forth are going to do. And not only that, I, what, what I was worried about a little bit was how they're going to re-to- um, rotate the interior line without Jim Schwartz. Because I think Javon Hargrave is 28, Fletcher Cox is in the 30s. you got to keep these guys fresh. They're, they're yeah. your best – this is going to sound like a hot take, but it's. I'm sorry, it's true. They're your best pass rushers. They are. They're your, yeah. best, they're your best guys getting pressure. Maybe not pass rushers, but getting pressure – these are your best guys. You need to keep them fresh. Javon Hargrave had 10 sacks this year you keep him fresh. And I thought Jonathan Gannon played – I thought he did a phenomenal job rotating that defensive line. I thought he did a great job doing it, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, Fletcher Cox played only – I think it was 57% of the snaps. He had 41 of them.
1: Yeah, Hargrave um, was, what, 56? So yeah, I mean,
0: Hargrave had 40 snaps. So he was only one behind Cox, and he mixed in Hassan Ridgway, who had a sack. And, you know, you get three sacks from your defensive tackles, that's pressure right up in the quarterback's face, and they hate that. Uh, You know, it's only going to be a matter of time before Graham and Sweat and Barnett, they start pinching the edges and they get their share of sacks when the quarterback tries to get out of the pocket. But, you know, Matt Ryan's a statue back there, uh, more or less. So, you know, you knew where he was going to be. So you get up in the middle in his face and you make him try to step up when the ends are coming, and that's why the D tackles did such a great job. But, you know, we're going to see probably Garoppolo and Lance, both of them, against the Niners. Mobile quarterbacks, so this could be more of a defensive end type sack game. But, again, if you're getting pressure up the middle, uh, that, that's going to free things up on the outside with mobile quarterbacks for Gar- Barnett and, and Graham and, and Sweat to get their, their share of sacks too. But, um, you know, I, I loved what Hargrave did. I loved the way he played. He played with a lot of energy, a lot of quickness, and a lot of confidence.
1: They're going to dominate their division rivals through the interior this year, though. Washington's interior offensive line, weak. New York's, weak. Dallas is weak because Zach Barton. I mean, uh, other than Zach Barton, it's weak. Yeah. It is weak. Uh, and again, he was out for COVID this past week, so uh, he's going to be fine this week. But still, uh, they're they're still their interior is weak. You know, it, it's going to be interesting. This they they can purely dominate their division in these divisional matchups, truly for the interior defensive line, especially yeah. with Javon Harden you're playing the way that he played this past Sunday. And yeah. I expect it as you do continue going forward.
0: Yeah, and and Ridgeway, we talked about the snaps. I think he had twenty six. Yeah. Milton Williams got in there for you know I think 16 snaps um Richard, and,
1: Hassan Ridgway played really good
0: yeah he did he had two defensive holding calls which you don't see an awful lot you barely see one and he had two so uh but yeah he did a, he did a nice job just kind of playing through some of that early adversity and, and one those of those
1: is BS because I actually since that's what the best thing about rewatching these these games over and over again you get to see stuff like that the one of those calls Chris Lindstrom has him by the neck and they called holding on Rasan Ridgeway, And I'm like, this is, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the fish eating was a little, it's still, you know, it's off the season to start off. Of course, as usual, when I felt fish eating being inconsistent as much as we love it. But Ed, what, I mean, we're going to have you and John are going to come on later in the week and talk about preview the San Francisco game a little bit more, but uh I'm going to tell you right now, San Francisco is a good team. They're way better than what they were last year. Um, I, I think the Eagles can beat the, win this game, though. I do, and I think a lot of it has to do with the injuries that San Francisco has endured. You know, losing Moser does hurt, uh, but losing Jason Barrett hurts the most. That was their top corner in, in on their defense, and then they lost it for the season. Um, I, I think the Eagles can win this game. I do think they can win this game.
0: Well, you know, it's going to be interesting with Jordan Mulata probably matching up with Nick Bosa. I mean, you know, Milata kind of had a, you know, not a lot of standouts on that. Falcons defense. I think he's going to line up against Bosa this week. So that's going to be something to watch. And, um, you know, the 49ers are coming across the country. they opened, I think, in Detroit. Now they're opening, you know, now their second game's on the road also, but they're coming east. It's always hard for a West Coast team to come east and play a one o'clock game because, you know, the, the body clock thing. So you know that's an advantage to the Eagles, but you know it's gonna it's gonna be a tough game. Haven't really looked at all of it, just kind of the obvious stuff. Like I mentioned, Bosa, and Mulata and the quarterbacks, Lance and Garoppolo, probably you know rotating in there occasionally. Um, but that body I, body
1: Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, they're gonna give the Eagles this. That's gonna be a huge test.
0: Yeah, tough. yeah, it will. Uh, but they're gonna it have it it to tackle better. They're gonna have to play within the scheme that you know the the link's gonna be rocking. It's gonna be a full house for the first time since 2019 pre pandemic. <laughs> um you just hope they're not too amped up and try to do too much and get caught up in all that emotion instead let that emotion come to them and feed off of it in the right way and not try to get too overamped for it and by doing too much if they can play within themselves you know yeah i think they got a shot for sure
1: absolutely agreed. all right that's gonna wrap it up for ed and i you can catch us later this week we'll talk about more birds we're gonna start the post-game show this week i will be live right after the game uh, on Sunday talking about the birds and wrapping up the Eagles 49ers game. We'll hear from Ed, maybe depending on uh, how press conferences go and all those stuff that he has to cover real quick. But we really appreciate you guys tuning in again, si.com slash NFL slash Eagles for your all up-to-date coverage on the Philadelphia Eagles. Please subscribe to help support the show, help support uh, Eagle Maven. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks everybody.